0: AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, Brett Johnson, with you here on a Tuesday afternoon. And today we are joined by the editor-in-chief of the Minnesota reformer, Patrick Kulikan, as we are going to be talking about how Republicans in Minnesota, including, of course, Congressman Tom Emmer, who is the House Majority Whip, are responding to the latest indictments of Donald Trump. I believe there's over 90 charges that he's facing now between all four places where he's been facing charges. So we're going to be chatting with him a little bit about how the Minnesota Republicans party and some of the elected officials in around the state are responding plus we have some new breaking news regarding lyft and uber threatening to cut service in minneapolis over a proposed minimum wage so lots to talk about today so let's bring them on in patrick thanks so much for coming on the show today always a pleasure Absolutely. So I want to start off talking about, uh, well, how Republicans are responding to the latest indictments against Donald Trump. Because, uh, well, let's start off with Tom Emmer, who of course is, as I mentioned, the House Majority Whip, represents uh, large areas of central Minnesota in a very red district. And he recently held a town hall where he was asked about a litany of topics, which we may or may not have time to get into, including Trump's indictments where he said, quote, it's clear that there are two different standards being applied with one person facing charges while another sells influence to people around the world off of his dad's name. As you can probably guess, uh, Tom Emmer is referring to President Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden. So I'm curious, what do you think about how Emmer is responding to these latest charges? Because it sounds like he's still uh, very much digging in and uh, backing Trump pretty much 100%. Didn't really show a lot of uh, wavering support of the uh, former president during his recent town hall.
1: Yeah, and actually this morning or last night, he tweeted out uh, that the Democrats, quote, weaponization of our justice system continues, Uh, this time with the left-wing district attorney who's using the latest indictment against President Trump to boost her own political career. The American people aren't falling for it. Um, I mean, to begin with, it's the grand jury that indicted, not the district attorney. But um, aside from that, I'm kind of, uh, I'm amused a little bit at when he says the American people aren't falling for it. Um, and, and because it makes it seem like this is all some kind of a con. And of course, what's amusing about that is, uh, the greatest con man, maybe in American history now is former president Donald Trump. And, uh, and Emmer has, uh, he was in long ago on this con, uh, May of 2016. He was one of the first in Congress to, to give his, uh, full fledged endorsement. I mean, it's hard to remember now, but. Uh, the Republican party was, was pretty split. They, they didn't, uh, traditional conservatives, um, who I, I think Emmer would count himself among those. They didn't like Trump. Um, and they were afraid, uh, what would happen in the 2016 election if he were on the, at the head of the ticket. Um, but Emmer was on board early on and, uh, and now the, uh, uh now it's been seven years later. And, uh, and he's still uh, still falling for the con, if you will. Um, and in fact, he uh, he's at the point now where he has to enlist others and keep keep it going. Um, otherwise, uh, he could lose everything. And he's certainly risen to power swiftly during the Trump era. Um, so uh, it's um, pretty uh, concerning that you have. The former president now has been charged, as you mentioned, uh, 99 times, but especially in the in the Georgia case and, and then on the, the, the D.C. indictments is it last week, I think, uh, where he's, the, the allegation, and it's pretty, pretty well laid out, that he sought to overturn an election he lost so he could stay in power. And I can't imagine a, a more serious or grave crime uh, for someone to have uh, committed against uh, the American Republic Um, and, uh, and Tom Emmer, uh, is lining up with the guy who tried to do it. And I think that's something that I, I certainly, um, we're going to force all Republicans up and down the ticket all the way down to down uh, to dog catcher. They're going to have to uh, say whether or not it's okay for a sitting president to try to overturn an election. He lost so he could stay in office. That question will be put to every single candidate and uh and i hope other media outlets do the same because um, that's what's at stake in the uh in, in next year's election i think 22 it was with was a flavor of that and, and i think the american people um, uh responded uh very often going against the, the trumpist right and that's why they had uh, the republicans had a a very mediocre election uh given the uh, circumstances but this time it's different because he's actually going to be on the ballot. And so you're either for uh, America and uh, American democracy uh, and the republic, or you think it's okay for a sitting president to try to overturn an election that he lost so he can stay in power. Um, I, I think those those are your choices, and that goes up and down the ballot. Um, so um, that's kind of how I'm feeling today. Now that we've we've kind of uh, seen. Uh, everything's been laid out now, in, in the and the four different situations that we were uh, expecting, and and uh, so we have a lot of the facts now, and uh, it's time for people to make
0: a choice. Well, and you jogged my memory on an interesting point you just made earlier, and that's the fact that Minnesota was not exactly the biggest MAGA state back in 2015 and 2016. And in fact, uh, I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure we were a state that actually went for Marco Rubio in the Republican primary. We might have been one one or two of the only states that went along those lines. And lo and behold, now we have Tom Emmer, who arguably might be the most powerful Republican elected official in Minnesota, completely embracing a Donald Trump and his vision, is there any better way he could possibly respond to this, or is this pretty much just all about fear of getting primaried? Because uh, I would look at that sixth district, and if he were to all of a sudden, say, uh, go along the lines of maybe Chris Christie or not quite that far and start criticizing Donald Trump, a good chance he could get primaried, especially given that uh, his predecessor was Michelle Bachman, who uh, kind of speaks for herself.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're completely boxed in. The, the, uh, the party is now controlled by uh, the Trump mob, and there's nothing that that uh, I mean, if they were going to take action, they probably would have been have to be right after January 6th, and they didn't, and uh, so now they're they're stuck with them again, and um, they uh, they have to they're going to face uh, they would face the consequences. I mean, if he were to rebuke uh, Trump, that would be the end of his political career almost certainly, and uh, I mean, we saw that happen uh, to, uh, to Liz Cheney, um, who took that principled stand. And th- that was the end of, uh, her electoral career, at least in Wyoming. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the, uh, the, the problem is that, uh, their own personal interests, um, are at odds with the, the party's long-term and, and even short-term interests. Um, and so, they're all going to have to act together, and, um, but there's kind of like a prisoner's dilemma, is what the, the philosophers call it. If nobody, uh, nobody wants to be the one to do it because uh, then uh, you're done. You're done for. They all have to act in concert, um, and of course now it's getting to be too late.
0: Another interesting aspect to look as well, uh, and just besides Tom Emmer, is that our four Republican Congress people that represent Minnesota all come from relatively safe red districts. So at least from their perspective, there's not much of a downside to uh, backing Donald Trump. But I do wonder if there's still concerns in Republicans about trying to appeal to the suburbs, because that's a big reason why they don't control the legislature right now, is that they are struggling to win the suburbs. And you see that compounded by the fact that the Republican Party chair, David Hahn, apparently was nearly removed from his position earlier this week. So it it seems like, at least on the Republican side, there's just not a lot of concern about trying to appeal to those suburbs. And I wonder if part of that just might be that so many of their elected officials are Kind of concerned with just only representing their ruby red districts. That it's kind of getting, it's kind of forgotten on them. That they need to also try to win these purple districts if they want to have a chance in the state.
1: Exactly. Uh, so they're they're again their own personal political interests. In um, those safe safe districts, uh, those safe seats are uh, to continue uh, with the the party line. Um, which is that, uh, I guess, the election was stolen um, and January 6th was all set up and uh, now uh, under Biden, uh, whereas back in the real world, uh, where there are actually competitive districts and you might be able to actually turn the Minnesota House, for instance, um, that you have to appeal to um, people who haven't drank that Kool-Aid, um, and uh, that's going to take some um, some. Normalcy, for lack of a better word, um, and uh, they don't appear uh, eager to embrace that at all.
0: Well, I know you'll be writing an upcoming column talking about Tom Emmer and his support of Trump, so I encourage you to check that out over at MinnesotaReformer.com. But needless to say, I'm guessing uh, Tom Emmer is probably not going to be your best friend after that column, though, as a as I sure you're, I'm sure you're going to be uh, talking about uh, well the fact that he is still backing an abhorrent person and uh really not kind of caring about it whatsoever so uh uh, so uh yeah we'll look forward to that column coming up in a few days
1: yeah that's the i'm going to lay out the the stakes here this is the test for every single uh candidate for office up and down the ballot do you is it okay for a sitting president to try to overturn an election he lost so he can stay in office that's the question and uh you better have the right answer as far as i'm concerned
0: yeah, and I, I'm absolutely with you that that's a question that all of them should be asked because I would certainly think if we had a, a Democratic presidential candidate who was facing over 90 charges, uh, I know for sure that just about every outlet would be asking every DFLer, well, are you going to back the back whoever so and so is facing this many charges? You certainly know it would be true if uh, DFLers or Democrats were facing that. So I think yeah, absolutely fair that Republicans are, are going to need to face those same questions as well coming up during this cycle. Sure. Absolutely. So, all right, I want to talk about one more uh, piece of breaking news, and this is a big one and having to do with Lyft and Uber possibly threatening to cut service in Minneapolis because the city is proposing a possible minimum wage for Uber and Lyft drivers, as Uber and Lyft are saying that this would raise costs too much and they would possibly shut down operations in the city. So let's talk about what exactly is the Minneapolis City Council proposing that Uber and Lyft are so much up in arms about?
1: They uh, uh, have proposed a plan that's uh, similar to what passed the legislature last year. They're going to raise uh, minimum rates um, and uh, create a a process that will give the drivers uh, a little bit more um, clarity in um, when they are, uh, they call it deactivated, essentially fired. Um, But the big issue is the minimum rates. So uh, everybody's Uber and Lyft uh, prices uh, would go up considerably. Um, It it is, as I said, similar to what passed the legislature. And, uh, of course, the governor um, vetoed that bill uh, after uh, Uber and Lyft issued um, some pretty tough uh, language as to what would happen if the bill passed. So the governor wound up forming a task force. They're uh, currently considering legislation, which they'll present uh, next year when the legislature comes back. Presumably they'll pass something. But uh, in the meantime, Minneapolis City Council, uh, the progressive wing of the council, decided to move quickly on, uh, on their own package. And now uh, Uber and Lyft are responding once again uh, with, with some tough language.
0: So as you mentioned, this is sort of the same playbook that Uber and Lyft followed at the state level. Is there any indication in terms of how the city council is going to possibly vote on this? I believe Thursday is when they're scheduled to vote on the ordinance. Has there been any pushback so far from city council members saying, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this? Or does this still look like something that could largely pass?
1: We haven't uh, heard yet. I mean, this all is just breaking on the last few hours. I know certainly online, a lot of the online progressive response so far to our story has been, "Well, we should call their bluff," um, and that um, this, the state should have called their bluff uh, back in the spring, and, uh, and Minneapolis ought to do so. And I, I have a feeling that um, that, that the, the progressive wing of the council are inclined that way. Uh, we'll have to see what the mayor thinks, um, and and then the the rest of the council. Um, the, the the increase in price uh, could certainly affect demand. I mean, one would assume it would. And um, and uh, one of the companies, uh, I believe it's Lyft, says that uh, uh, a that their average uh, rider, uh, their median rider, uh, makes. Uh, Excuse me. Here it is. Lyft Lyft riders have an annual household income approximately 17 percent below the state median. So I'm kind of I would like to uh, get some sort of uh, confirmation of that data. Um, But the argument they're making is that people use the services um, if they don't have a car. And uh, it's uh, much uh, more efficient than using mass transit. Um, and so by raising rates, what you're doing is you're taking money out of the pockets of, uh, of, of people who are actually, uh, working class, middle-class people. Um, and you're uh, making their lives harder because it makes it harder for them to get to their doctor's appointments and maybe grocery shopping, whatever they're using the services for. Um, and then of course, if they were to actually just pick up and, and, and no longer serve, uh, Minneapolis or only serve Minneapolis with, uh, their luxury services that would, um, uh, also hurt uh, both the customers and presumably the drivers um so it's um it's a complicated issue and um we'll just have to see uh what the council uh decides on i believe it's thursday
0: and final point on this what's interesting is that if the council does end up going ahead and uh passing this and putting the ball back in the court of Uber and Lyft. Uh, that puts Uber and Lyft in kind of an awkward situation because if this does pass and Uber and Lyft end up not pulling out of Minneapolis, well then all of a sudden you have to think, well the state legislature and governor Tim Walz might try this again thinking, well we called out their bluff in Minneapolis and Uber and Lyft didn't do anything, so why not try it at the state level? So, yeah, this could be really interesting if this passes at the local level and have big ramifications at least uh, in the state uh, depending on how Uber and Lyft respond respond if this measure does end up passing.
1: Yeah, it's high stakes, um, uh, because uh, as you say, depending on what happens here in Minneapolis, we could see um, a replay at the legislature, and then of course the legislature has the ability to just preempt whatever Minneapolis does, um, which is why I I try to always emphasize to people how important the legislature is, because no matter what you do at your city council, the legislature can always uh, reverse it quickly. And uh, clearly, Uber and Lyft, they've said this, they they don't want a patchwork uh, set of regulations in the two cities or wherever else. They want a uh, they want a solution at the legislature. And I think they have uh, they feel like they have some uh, at least some relationship with the governor um, and the ability to get something that they're going to find more favorable. So uh, it's it's an interesting uh, another chapter. Uh, Kind of chapter two here after last spring and then uh, but certainly a precursor to what we're going to see next spring.
0: Yeah, and worth keeping an eye on to see how that vote goes down on Thursday at the Minneapolis City Council, because, again, if that passes, the ball is back in Uber and Lyft's court, so we'll have to see how they respond should this thing pass. And I'm sure you guys will be covering that over at the Minnesota Reformer as well, as we are just about out of time. will be there. Absolutely, yeah. We are just about out of time for our interview today. We have been speaking with Patrick Hulican, Editor-in-Chief of the Minnesota Reformer. Make sure you follow all of their great reporting they do over at minnesotareformer.com, minnesotareformer.com. Patrick, as always, thanks for the time today. Always a pleasure. Let's take a break and send things back over to Matt McNeil on AM 950.